All right. Welcome back, everybody. Here we are once again talking some more Survivor 43. Dom, the finale is in the books, and I'm sure it went exactly as you were expecting, right? Yeah, uh, not the, certainly not the outcome I was expecting. Not really the outcome I was excited for, but definitely the outcome that gives us the most to talk about. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, Cassidy had to lose for the sake of content, and that's why we're here. So ho- hopefully we can uh, make that all worth it. Yeah, so let me begin with this. I'm Incidentally, I, I can't imagine there's anyone listening to us right now that hasn't seen the finale yet. But just in case. My bad. Sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we are about to be diving into the full-blown spoiler zone. So do yourself a favor and get caught up. Uh, before continuing any further with this podcast. But Dom, with that totally unnecessary precaution out of the way, let's dive in here. And I want to begin by asking you, when you first opened your mind to the possibility that Gabler might win this season, because at least for me, it was very, very late into this finale. Yeah, I would say maybe when that second Gabler vote was turned around, or maybe the third, maybe it took me that long <laughs> to actually process what was happening. But certainly not before then. Uh, if he was hiding in plain sight, it was uh, not plain enough for me. <laughs> he was uh, very well camouflaged. So that was the exact point at which I finally opened my mind to that possibility of, oh my God, Gabler is actually not only in here with a chance, but going to win. It was Jeff flipping over the second vote for Gabler at no point during the entire run of Survivor 43, if I'm being honest with myself, did I have Gabler any higher than 0% to win this season. And when that second vote flipped over for him, not only did I finally start entertaining that prospect, I did the math that, oh man, it seems like overwhelmingly likely. And by the time I was kind of concluding these thoughts in my own head we were already at the point where he had four or five votes or whatever it took to uh become the winner of this season and but i I mean in your defense you were not the only one because it seems like both cassidy and owen were also gobsmacked of all this unfolding before them and that really helped to uh give that sense of weight to that outcome it's the i think usually people going in they kind of know where the vote is going and even in this new era now where we get to find out in real time uh, when uh, the votes are cast, um, it feels like people, if they're paying attention, they kind of know what's going on. Uh, and when they don't, I think Mike last season like seemed to think he had it in the bag and maybe just cottoned on at the last moment that it was slipping away. Uh, but th- this time around, I think Cassidy thought, like us, until those Gabe Lefers were turned around, that she was about to become the winner of Survivor. And Owen seemed to think that too. And I would say Owen's uh, perspective here is actually one of the most fascinating ones because you can understand why someone who is playing their own game and defending their own game thinks that that game should be a winning one and will be a winning one. And so, yeah, maybe even if the the, the signs were there that Cass was going to lose, you can forgive Cass for thinking that she was about to win. For Owen, he he has the foresight to know he is getting exactly zero votes. The question is, uh, how many votes is Cass going to get? What's the the margin of this blowout going to be? And it turns out the margin is uh, X to one in Gabler's favor instead. And uh, you, you could see him just shocked trying to process that and trying to empathize with Cass in the moment. And then also having this gruesome reminder that no, yeah, Owen, you didn't get any votes either. Sorry. You're, you're joining Stephen Fishback and friends in, in that uh, illustrious club. Um, and so he post game, uh, I mean, his uh, Twitter activity has been uh, quite exciting to follow, but uh, in his exit press, he has been really vocal that 
yeah, he thought Cass was going to win, and he thinks Cass should have won, and he it, it almost makes more sense for him to be the one saying Cass was robbed, because if Cass says it, then, yeah, of course he's going to say it. If Owen says it, well, then that's a whole new kettle of fish there. Yeah, totally. I, I, uh, I do believe he thought he was at least live for the Noel jury vote, if not maybe a couple others, but I, your larger point still stands that I'm pretty confident he went in there knowing it was not too likely to uh, go his way and just hoping to get a vote or two and was just like gobsmacked at seeing the actual result in real time, having not spent any time with the jurors up until that point. But yeah, the finale watching in real time for me was a crazy whirlwind of I spent the first hour or however long it was thinking like thinking that Jesse was the front runner. We see him lose in the fire challenge. And then at that point, I started writing Cassidy the check in my mind. I thought there was no other outcome that was conceivably on the table. I spent the entire time between Jesse losing that fire challenge and Jeff revealing the actual jury votes, thinking it was a foregone conclusion. And Dom, it that like brief window was one of the happier points of this entire season for me because, you know, there was a very supportive and vocal Cassidy contingent out there who had been big believers in her, not only from like uh, an edit kind of perspective, but also just big Cassidy fans in general. And in that short window, I found myself being legitimately like happy that those people got to get the result that they wanted and that everything finally went their way uh, after perhaps some sketchy times in the past in that line of thinking not working out so well and i was truly sitting here watching final travel council grinning ear to ear happy for the maddie freshes of the world that i like a great deal i you know getting the outcome that they wanted and being very happy myself with the idea of cassidy winning this season and then to have the rug pulled out to like the extent that it was truly for me at the risk of being hyperbolic, which is something I'm always, of course, desperate to avoid. Let's go. I think this at least has a bid at the most shocked I have ever been at any survivor outcome, final travel council or otherwise is seeing all those Gabler votes get flipped over uh and i actually wanted to ask you if you think this is hyperbolic because there have obviously been many 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 extreme ways moments uh for lack of a better term over the 20 plus years of and you know 40 plus seasons of this show being on the air uh you know eric reichenbach giving up the necklace brandon hance giving up the necklace james getting blindsided with two idols the dead grandma thing, uh, a couple of merge votes, heroes versus villains, Kageyan come to mind, uh, Wu voting out Cass in the Kageyan finale, and like Chris Underwood coming out of essentially nowhere to win season 38. All of those completely blew me away in the moment, and maybe I'm exercising some kind of like heavy recency bias in feeling like Gabler no, winning might trump all never. of them, but I mean, I spent... The duration, the last three months watching this season, thinking that the result we were about to get was essentially 
impossible. And given how long I had been feeling that way, plus just the sheer magnitude of the stakes in this moment, I don't think I will ever forget watching this finale in real time and just being completely blown away. Yeah, I would say there have been so many shocking moments over the years, but a lot of them come dotted throughout various points in the season. In terms of stuff like this, like happening at Final Tribal, so, you know, the, the Edge of Extinction finale was one just wild rollercoaster from start to finish, but once Rick Devins just slumped defeated in that voting booth at the Fire Challenge, you knew it was over. You knew Chris was winning at that point. Um, in terms of stuff at Final Tribal, the only thing that comes to mind for me is the tie vote in Ghost Island and then Laurel having to go up and, and cast that tiebreaker. That, that for me, was a real uh, shocker. But, yeah, I mean, this was certainly in contention with those. And you, I, I'm sure there are people out there who will claim to have seen it coming the whole time. Uh, and the clues, to some extent, are there. So I, there was a, a clip of Adam Klein on RHAP that resurfaced uh, in the last day or two of a few weeks ago, I think maybe at the Sammy vote, it was whatever episode was titled, Hiding in Plain Sight, because uh, you could say that was both an homage to Gabler and like a meta commentary on what they were doing with Gabler's winner, winner edit is he's telling you he's hiding in plain sight. We're telling you that him hiding in plain sight is hiding in plain sight. Uh, and you're still not going to see it coming. You're still going to be as gobsmacked as we were. Uh, so I guess job accomplished on that front but at the same time i'm now wondering do i do i believe it like do i because i i think back to that very first episode right where gabler was just this absolute hot mess the type of person who seems like they should be a mortal lot to go out first and when they're not that itself is a surprise and then usually those people end up sticking around for quite a long time and being these big characters uh but that episode suggested to me, okay, th this guy is the clown of the season. He's the the Philip, the Debbie, the the, the kooky older person who maybe has a, a long run in the game, but is never going to be in the mix to win. And then we had the thing of him placing the palm fronds on people in the middle of the night, and so many scenes of people saying, Gabler's an idiot, Gabler's an idiot. And not, not with a vibe that suggested to me that, oh, I'm underestimating Gabler, but once that is reveal to me oh shocks i guess you got me i good job ali gabler no it, it really seemed contemptuous it's like yeah of course gabler's an idiot like we take that for granted and so it it almost reminds me of some kind of murder mystery where you're, you're shocked by the eventual outcome and the idea is oh well if you go back and watch it again or that there were these clues there the whole time and yet even with that i don't know if i believe those clues i don't know if i was meant to figure out who the murderer was uh in in this case um and then you pair that with i mean I thought Jesse was going to win. I, I was the, the fool all along. And having previously been swindled by the Ricard winner edit and, uh, and previously the Shan winner edit in that same season. And then I thought Omer was going to win in the latter stage of the 42. So it, clearly I am, I am the mark for this, this type of uh, edit here. And I, I'm going to be scarred by that moving forward. But I thought Jesse was going to win. And then once Jesse, just going into that final four round, he seemed so defeated. Like he was rattled. He just didn't really show up to that final four immunity and then going to fire making he seemed like he was really feeling the pressure and was out for the count and so i thought okay well by contrast cast has just won the final immunity has been getting some great confessionals seems uh very confident in her game and is already in front of the jury preempting some of the arguments that might be made against her like she really is uh has this momentum going into uh the the final four here and then so I, I didn't see it coming, and I still think that her edit to this point has not been compelling or satisfying. And yet, okay, if if the 
metagame today is the only thing that matters is what happens in these final stages. Cass is looking pretty damn good in these final stages. And so, okay, I, I have my issues with it, but I can see how it's all coming together at the very end. And then all of that was suddenly flipped around yet again to produce this outcome, which I think is leaving basically everyone. And I'm, some people say they saw it coming. I don't fully believe you. You also are flabbergasted. I'm flabbergasted too. And that, that's, that's where we are now. <laughs> yeah. And it's interesting because like the Gabler edit, I would say clearly made him like visible along the way. I think most of the casual fans at the very least knew who he was as the season was going on. And there was at least some degree of kind of like manipulation to make it look like when a plan was coming together, he was at the very least in the loop. Uh, and that is something that conventionally I think is like a good sign for any random person on a season of survivor, as far as like their winning chances go. And I've also been uh, a pretty big believer over the years in the value of someone who is made to look like they got off to a very rocky start but survives it and then makes a deep run in the game. I think that is a story uh, we've seen play out for eventual winners over the years, and that, I think, tracks with what we saw from Gabler this time uh, as well. And for me, it was the extent to which they were trying to convince us that he was just hiding in plain sight made me feel like he can't possibly just be hiding in plain sight and then it was kind of like a philip shepherd-esque sort of oh i have a master plan if they're foolish enough to let me get to the end but uh to return to just like shocking finales i think chris underwood uh, which has come up already is the the closest comp for me in terms of someone coming like relatively out of nowhere but as you mentioned as soon as Rick Devins lost that fire challenge, it did seem pretty clear that Chris was going to be the winner, and it was not a surprise at all when Jeff was reading the votes there. And even before that, like, yes, we absolutely were in here talking during our Survivor 38 finale preview in terms along the lines of, like, Rick Devins has got to be in, like, the high 90s in terms of, like, win equity, but... I also think that it at least came up in passing, if anyone is going to win other than Rick, it's probably someone from Edge of Extinction, and among those on Edge of Extinction, Chris seems like someone worth at least keeping an open mind on as far as, ah! like, the fringe... Pr- that, 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 there is no question, Dom, in my... I, I'm trying to be, like, subtle about it, but, like, there was a vocal, and, uh, not us specifically, but, like... I really wish I hadn't seen it over the course of Survivor 38. Like There were a lot of people talking about Chris actually looking really good, and that was certainly on the very, very back of my mind as that finale was about to go down. Gabler was at no point anywhere along the way here, even in the back of my mind, as a winner contender, and that, I don't think, is something I've ever had happen before, where like the eventual winner is someone I thought just had no chance up until the literal moment that I was seeing them win the game. Yeah, and I was ready to come in here and be very combative towards the some of the the more uh, strident Cassidy truthers who were saying, oh yeah, clearly Cass has had the winner's edit since day one, and I assumed, is this another situation where there's some kind of spoiler pointing towards this, and uh, you being both 
triumphant and failing to be coy about it now means that I'm spoiled about it too, effectively. Like, I, I really thought that was part of the equation. So I'm glad that I can put my hands up and say I was wrong about that. Um, and that that is not the world that we lived in for this season. I, I'm glad that that is not part of the discussion here. Uh, but I think if we want to get into the details of it, I think that what has led to such a vocal reaction in all its forms to this result, it, it's not just Gabler winning, because that would be shocking against anyone given all of these dynamics that we've laid out it's also for a lot of people Cass losing which to me was not surprising because i never had her penciled in as that winner or as that winner to be um and i never like i, I would jokingly like join in the, the whole mother thing or whatever but i i was never deep in the paint with that the way that a lot of people sincerely were and so I think a lot of people, they had talked themselves into, you know, they, they picked Cass out of the cast on day one or pre-show and they had stand her throughout and then projected onto her throughout the season and really hyped her up to the point where it felt like they had made it into the main character of the season over and above the, the Jessies and Cody's and so on and, and Carla's of the game. And so when she, if she were to go on to lose, it would have to be because it was a story of why Cass lost in the same way that it's like why Stephanie LaGrosse lost or why, you know, all of these other people who were the focal character for better or for worse and ended up losing to someone who was like quieter and who it felt like their win wasn't really about them and it was against the other person. Um, and to me, that's just kind of baffling. Like it felt like for the players out there and for most audience members, Cass seems nice enough and yeah if she wins it's maybe not what you were hoping for but uh, okay we, we can live with that but it wasn't you know that the fact of her losing doesn't itself require some grand theory to, to explain it away it, it doesn't require that level of effort right i think a lot of the cast support i i don't mean to make this sound like rooting for cassidy is a problem in any way but i think the stands were like week after week given just enough kind of like rope and like reason to keep on believing and believing more episode by episode and going into the finale understanding that uh you know if she does find herself there against jesse that's probably not going to go her way but still conceivably could but then once jesse loses that fire challenge I, I have a hard time blaming them for feeling like Cass more or less uh, had it in the bag there. And Dom, perhaps some of the fault lies with us. Like, as soon as Jesse lost the fire challenge, just coincidentally, both you and I were tweeting about, oh, my God, Cass is mother. And I'm so happy for all the people <laughs> who And right at that point is when the rug got pulled out from underneath. Uh, so it, it may have been us jinxing it, uh, you know, finally trying to get in on the hype train at the last possible minute and we just kind of put it over the top and and that was all she wrote for Cass. but uh yeah i i do think it it largely came down to wishful thinking that just kept snowballing on itself week after week for what i would say were if you are predisposed to be looking for that i get how you could keep talking yourself into it Trust me, I've am... been there many times. Oh, yeah. I am very mercenary where this is concerned. I will join any promising-looking bandwagon and <laughs> pretend I was there since day one. So uh, I, I deserve to, uh, to to get burned by that in due course. But, um, yeah, like, to me, it seems like the the central kind of fact of why Cass lasts, if you need to look for one, and I don't think that you do, is that if you were talking to someone who maybe was a lap Survivor fan who hadn't watched this season but 
had seen some of the the furore around the outcome and wanted to know, okay, why why did everyone think the cast was going to win? I don't know what you would say exactly. Like, was she was she great in the challenges? Oh, she was really good, yeah. And she she won the final one. Not that that seems to count for much these days. But Owen won the same number, and you know, Gabler was actually surprisingly decent too. And it, she wasn't dominant in in the challenges, and she didn't get to that that fourth win, which would put her in the same tier as other women like Kim Spradley and Jenna Maraska and so on. Was she? Uh, a particular like strategist that gained a lot of attention did she have some some signature move to hang her hat on well no and if anything basically all four of the people who preceded her uh, so noelle sammy jesse uh, cody carla uh, so five actually were all seen as like the active players who in their own way became the power player and then had to be kicked out and then you had james on the jury too so of all the people in that room uh, as the votes have been cast on finale night she was seen as one of the the less active players there. And so, well, okay, maybe she had this like more subtle social game that people really warmed to. And yet it seemed like for as much as a lot of them did like her and get along with her, um, they didn't have that same like outpouring of affection where, yeah, I really want to go out there and vote for this person and you're going to have to find a good excuse to convince me otherwise. Uh, and so I, if you're trying to say why, why Cass lost, if you flip it around and say, why should Cass have won? Like that question is hard to answer if you're not coming at it from, oh my God, I'm, I'm so sad for mother. <laughs> right. Uh, and one thing that I found really interesting is I don't think that this result was as shocking to the casual fans or nearly as shocking to the casual fans as the kind of wave that swept over my Twitter feed suggests to me it was for the like online super fans who are thinking about the show seven days a week, whenever it's in season. Uh, I know that casual Anna, great friend of the podcast, casual Anna watched this finale going in, knowing that something like super shocking was going to happen somewhere along the way. And I didn't tell her, what it was but uh after she had watched it she texted me saying what was the big deal like when i saw that something like crazy was going to happen in the finale i thought gabler was going to die during the fire challenge like because he was talking about how weak he was and furthermore uh a couple of the other casuals that i just check in with along i, I got a nice little stable of guinea pigs uh, <laughs> that i take the temperature on every so often they liked Gabler and were were happy yeah. to see him win and not like blown away by the idea of how could this guy possibly do it. And I'm now reminded of after the premiere or one of the early episodes, I, I was checking in with one such casual uh, who told me, I, I said, who are you liking so far? And she said, I kind of like Gabler. And, and that was like the only name she gave. And so I think this is uh, perhaps like the ultimate season to illustrate the difference between a super fan kind of read of any given season versus the casual read. And I am, as far as I know, the number one advocate for us as super fans. And I very much include you and me, Dom, as well as anyone hearing me right now. Our opinions are so like comically insignificant compared to the silent majority who just tune in on Wednesday night or watch it on their DVR whenever, like those are the people who are like the bread and butter CBS audience that as, you know, as dedicated 
and I would say impressively so, as the Survivor online community is, that is not uh, a very significant like chunk of those actually tuning in and uh, enticing advertisers to continue their deals with CBS and so forth. And I think the Gabler win is being much differently received by probably like the vast majority of the audience than the discourse online would lead one to believe. I mean, just to look at the the one signature move of source that Gabler can can point to, his pledge to give his million dollars away to uh, a veterans charity went down like a bucket of cold sick in various parts of uh, Survivor Superfan Twitter. That is the kind of thing which is catnip to mm-hmm. the, the casual audience out there. And already you see Gabler popping up on Fox News as you know he's the guy who's giving all his money to veterans, and uh, like that is the thing that if anything's going to let this season of Survivor and this outcome achieve some kind of escape velocity and go mainstream like that that is it right um and yeah it's we are both comically and cosmically insignificant in the grand scheme of uh, the the survivor super fandom there my favorite subplot of all of this is when survivor alumni who themselves uh have opinions that kind of line up with the more casual audience and watching the fans who are invested in those players just be shocked by that so one great example was uh, Victoria from Edge of Extinction, who was <laughs> tweeting about how boring of a winner Cassie was going to be, which is a little ironic, given that I'm pretty sure that the people who are calling Cassie mother and the people who are standing Victoria in her season are a perfect circle. And also the people who thought that Victoria herself was boring and who also found Cassie boring is also essentially a perfect circle as well. Um, yeah, she was not on board with that. And then when uh, like she updated that reaction later on when... Cass lost to Gabler as if she was like defending Cass. It was all all very strange. Um, but then I think that the one that really blew people's minds was Suri, who Suri really likes Gabler. And th- this is the thing that stuns people about Suri is that she really is the woman who got off the couch and went to go play Survivor. And when she's watching at home on the couch, she reacts the way that, frankly, the vast majority of people watching on their couches react to the show. So she said on you know, about one of the seasons that she played on, that she thought Russell should have won and that Sandra was this kind of undeserving winner. And this was a, a subplot between them heading into Game Changers, right? And then I think that is a very consistent thing that we've seen throughout the years. And so Sari being pro gamer is really not surprising there in the grand scheme of things, even if it's kind of shocking to uh, to us, given our uh, mindset. I, I mean, I had somehow missed entirely that Serene news, but I'm not blown away by that. And again, the casual fan opinion is so much more relevant to CBS than anything you or I have ever had to say over the many, many years that we have been doing this. And I think that's something that I at least try to keep in mind uh, in like evaluating a season is as much as we like, not just the two of us, but the online survivor, like super fan community are a meaningful part of, you know, what makes this show so great and what has kept it on for so long it it pales in comparison to just the person who tunes in for an hour a week and never thinks about the show again like that is who the show is made for and it is smart on cbs's part to approach it with that in mind and there's just nothing we can do about it however no this show is made for me and this is my podcast so let's let's (laughs) indulge my perspective here as much as we can so with that in mind uh 
where where do we want to dive into this? Do we want to get into some of the details of the finale itself or, or keep it at this uh, big picture level for now? I think let's stay big picture for a little while, and I'm sure plenty of specifics from the finale will come up along the way, and then we can circle back uh, to any of the kind of major happenings that uh, we don't touch on as we go through here. Uh, let me ask you this, because I have been struggling with it. Do you think there are any other winners from survivor history that make for good like comps for gabler like comparisons uh to the way that this ultimately ended up going his way i think the best one maybe is fabio right someone who made a big show out of oh they think i'm just a dumb blonde but actually i i'm hyper aware of everything that's going on around me and there isn't quite the same comp beast aspect to the end of uh gabler's game although you could argue that him really ostentatiously volunteering to go into fire and then winning fire. And supposedly this is the move that logged up Gabers win. I like, maybe there's some kind of parallel there, but yeah, I think that the thing that makes this so hard to process for some people is that there really isn't an obvious present for this. Uh, And if the the closest one is like some 21 year old blonde surfer guy, and then Gabers is like 50-year-old who has 20 years on the next oldest cast member. Like, that's that's night and day in its own way. Yeah, uh, I've heard Fabio thrown around. I know uh, Bob Crowley has been getting tossed around. Chris Underwood has certainly come up, although I think that largely came down to just the pure shock of it all. I found it interesting in listening to Gabler's exit interview on RHAP, and I, I think this is pretty apt. Uh, he described himself as playing kind of like a combination of like a Rupert game and a Sandra game. And I think that is pretty spot. Uh, Dom's already laughing. Uh, well, I, okay. <laughs> perhaps correctly so, because like, I think as much as people are going to hate to hear this, I think there are some very strong parallels between how Gabler won this season and how Sandra won both of her winning seasons in terms of her you know both each of their threat levels was just essentially non-existent uh the entire way through they weren't ruffling a crazy amount of feathers but they also weren't like dictating virtually any votes along the way and then they found themselves in the end in a situation where the jury was just highly inclined to not vote for the other people and they hadn't really done too many people wrong and you you, you really are out here looking for trouble tonight aren't you i i I swear to you i'm not like i i could pass a lie detector test that i really think the closest thing we've seen not in terms of like their presence within the game along the way but the way that they ended up winning i think gabler and sandra are borderline peas in a pod See, I, I think I want to draw a contrast, actually, between the game that Gabler at least said he was playing and the game that Cassidy said she wanted to play. Because here's the that here's that Fox quote from the first episode that uh, gained so much attention and guided a lot of edit-minded people down that path. So here it is, quote, I want to play like a fox, clever and cunning. I want to outmaneuver people. I want to be sneaky. I don't want to play a loud in-your-face game because a lot of times women can't get away with that the same way that the men can. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we can circle back to that last point uh, in a bit because I know that, that that is one explanation that people have gone to uh, for this result is just straight-up sexism. But uh, in terms of that that approach to the game, it felt like from day one that was kind of off the table for Cassie because people kept highlighting her 
as a possible threat, uh, whether it was on her own tribe, like her own alliance members in James and Carla kept flirting with the idea of turning on her. Uh, and then the the other people on the tribe, like when they needed a name to throw out there, it, it was going to be Cassie a lot of the time. And then once we got to the merge, it felt like the decoy basically at any point was Cass, unless you had some better idea in mind. Uh, and it was never quite clear how much of that was, I actually do want Cass out, how much of it was, well, hey, everyone seems like they want to get Cass out, so I'll just join in with that too. Uh, but basically, whenever we saw a name being floated for the for the generic creating suspense before tribal segment, Cass was going to be in the mix. And it seemed like going into that split tribal uh, where that, they had that fork in the road where, okay, if if James was voted out, then we're going to do one thing. And uh, if, if not, then we could do another. It seemed like Cass generally did come pretty close to being voted out there. And so we were never told as the audience exactly why that was. You had a lot of, well, Cass is sneaky and Cass is being strategic. We never we never saw that. As far as we were concerned, Cass was, she was out there like playing a pretty normal game. And if anything, playing the under, under the radar game that she wanted to play. And yet it wasn't under the radar. It was on the radar. And so in that sense, it might have been the worst of both worlds where you you get all of the the backlash from being seen as a target but none of the credit for surviving being the target and for having these these moves to hang your hat on at the end and i think that that kind of confusion maybe speaks to this inability to have like this this hook at the end for like i this is how i made it here and this is why you should vote for me and there was no there was no thread like that to to Cass's argument at the end even though she made what i thought was a pretty valiant effort to make that case for herself. I agree that it was a pretty valiant effort. It seems like it just was not in line with the kind of jury perception of the way the season played out. And even if Cass is like a hundred percent right about everything she's saying, that's still just a recipe for disaster. But I really don't know where the disconnect was. If I'm, if I'm being fully honest here, we're like, I don't understand what Cass was supposed to do differently. Really? any point along the way and obviously there are a million hours of footage that get left on the editing room floor and maybe i'm missing some vital things that just didn't make it into the edit but as far as i've heard the only real point at which there has been like discussion of oh should Cass have done this instead at least in recent weeks and forgive me for having a bad memory of the early game or whatever uh is the idea of giving up the necklace to go into fire, but I, I don't really have a real reason for not believing the jury when they say something to the effect of, hey, whoever won the fire challenge was going to be the winner, which apparently has been like a, a pretty commonly repeated kind of jury exit press idea. I believe them when they say that in the context of, whoever won this fire challenge between Gabler and Jesse was going to be the winner. I do not buy that if Owen won the fire challenge, he would have been the winner. And I do not mm. buy that if Cass had given up the necklace and gone on to defeat Jesse in fire, I, I'm, I can't say I'm ruling it out, but I still think Gabler wins in that yeah, I, scenario. I, so like, I don't know what they wanted from Cass. I, I, I'm with you. I don't believe it for a second. And uh, honestly, Think about the ways this could go. So, first of all, Cass gives up her necklace, goes into fight against uh, Jesse, and loses, as seemed pretty likely, because as both Cass and Jesse said, she was probably the worst out of the three of them at making fire. So when that happens, she suddenly looks like she made one of the most boneheaded mistakes you can make out there, and also just gave Jesse a million dollars instead of 
maximizing the chance for one of them to to get him out. And then even if she gives it up, she goes in there, she beats Jesse, that could, I think, easily be seen as almost like the, the Hannah Shapiro move of, well, you know that you are be seen as a go and you are making this move because you feel like you have to. And it's so transparent that we kind of see through it and dock you points for not doing it in a more subtle way or something. Like if, if they don't want to vote for Cass, they're not going to vote for Cass. And I think that a lot of this narrative of, oh, well, if she just had the, the guts to go in there and make fire is A, very like self-serving to try and justify it after the fact. But also it, it's... <laughs> It's like, okay, Cass won the first part. Like She won what has been regarded historically for 40 seasons as the most important challenge in the entire game, and it is. She won that, and then winning that gave her the power to then make the next most important decision, which is who do you send in to beat the, the biggest, biggest remaining threat in fire? She made that choice correctly because Gabler somehow broke the all-time fire-making record in, in beating Jesse. It wasn't just that Jesse sucked. It was also that Gabler absolutely spoke to him. Um, so she won, and then she made the right choice, and she's somehow getting penalized for both of those things. Right, yeah. I, I feel like if Cassidy doesn't even come close to winning in the timeline that we saw play out, I have a very difficult time believing that making a fire would have honestly put her over the edge with the jurors there, and I am nervous slash reluctant to open up this line of discussion because I don't know many of the details and I'm really just going on vibes here, but I wouldn't be surprised if there was essentially nothing she could have done to get specifically Carla onto her side and that over the course of the game, especially late into it, i.e. pretty near final tribal council and jury votes being cast, those two had just kind of gotten to the point where they were at such loggerheads that it was just not going to have an amicable kind of resolution hmm. and hatchets were not going to be buried necessarily in either direction. What do we know about, or, or what would your speculation be if we don't, I, I doubt we know that much conclusively, but do you think I'm wrong for wondering if the Carla factor may have just been effectively game over for Cassidy in pretty much any timeline? I really don't know what to make of this. So th this might be kind of a meandering thought, but bear with me. So the first thing that stands out was this subplot of Carla versus Cass uh, really was a recurring undercurrent of, of the late game. And I wonder if the others, when they picked up on that, not only used it to their own advantage, but also were consciously or subconsciously docking Cass points for that, because it's like, okay, well, you are so laser focused on this narrow feud between the two of you who were meant to be allies and were until just now that you're kind of losing sight of the bigger picture which is oh shit we, we need to beat cody and jesse or one of them is gonna run away with a million dollars there um and then once that finally resolves itself with uh carla going out in advance of that in carla's like last ditch hail mary to, to save herself she threatens Cass with her jury vote she says i will poison the jury against you and I think that's a bad tactic. I think that that threat never goes down well and never actually changes anyone's mind. And one reason is that the obvious rebuttal is, well, okay, so you have these powers of mind control over the jury. Why then should I take you to the end where those people you're just going <laughs> to convince to vote for you instead? Um, but people are taking that as a surefire sign that, okay, Carla followed through on that threat outside the game. And that when she got to the jury, which I, I actually is still in the game. Let's go with that. That when she got to the jury, 
she then did poison them against Cass, which kind of deprives those other jury members of having their own agency over that outcome and over their decision. But also, I would not make that leap necessarily. Um, I think it's quite reasonable for someone to try and use that threat in the game, even if it's a bad one. And then I, I don't think she, she and Cass left on great terms, but that doesn't mean that she went out of her way to like fabricate lies to then, you know, uh, swing people who may have voted for Cass into voting for Gabriel instead. Like, I don't think anything like that happened. I think there was some comment from Cass in a, in Express that she had heard from someone, uh, not clear who that Carla had actually tried to do that, but, uh, it seemed like James, who was the one vote for Cass, uh, didn't agree with that either so it's really unclear what that picture is but that there seems to be like just some kind of media literacy issue i guess where people see carla making that threat and a lot of them think oh my god this is horrible and unethical and outside the boundaries of the game and then uh, some more of those people think oh well she actually did that and that's why cast lost right there and if that hadn't happened if if carla weren't this bitter old hag uh who i was standing until last episode but now she's a bitter old hag then in, then in that case uh <laughs> Cass clearly would have won, and I think none of that is... We don't have any reason to believe that yet. Yeah, and I would like to repeat that I have no real basis for bringing that up other than just what I've heard in just kind of the ether. I'm not saying it. People are saying it, essentially. Uh, and more and so more I, people are saying it. Yes, yeah. uh, and, and just the margin by which she lost does seem to me uh, like there were not many people really championing for her cause on the jury to say the least and potentially uh, it was going to be far more of an uphill battle than it seemed like it theoretically would be like as we were watching the episodes in real time. But again, I I really don't want to make it sound like that's like my leading theory. That's just an idea. And then Dom, I do think it would be worth returning to something you alluded to earlier. uh, The idea of like, at least some sort of, and again, also much like the Carla thing, I don't know that anything along these lines happens, but I've just heard people talking about it, and I was curious to hear what you thought. The idea of unintentional kind of sexism by the jury, because I think there is a 0% chance that any of them were saying, well, I'm going to vote for Gabler because he's a man, and I'm not going to vote for Cassidy because she's a woman, but at the same time, I do have a hard time picturing a realistic circumstance where if Cassidy is a 26-year-old guy who voted correctly every single time and won three immunity challenges, including the final immunity where he then took the correct person and got the right people in fire, I think that person has a decent shot against a woman version of Gabler, who's the wacky neighbor of the season in their like early fifties who was just kind of looped in on plans along the way. Like I, I do think there is at least conceivably something to the idea of if these genders were reversed, this could potentially go uh, a different way. Although I say that again, not at all trying to accuse any of the jurors of thinking along those lines in the moment. Well, the, the obvious response to the first part of that is, if Cass were a 26-year-old man, then none of the people calling her mother currently would give a shit about her. <laughs> she would be True. some, you know, mediocre white man instead, and they would turn their sights to, uh, are we gender-flipping Owen in this scenario, or how, how far I, are we going? I don't going think it matters, but may as well. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, 
so I, I think, and in that case, they would be passing the torch to the uh, the Xander stand, the the standers who still have not got over their uh, their their himbo champion not closing the deal in uh, 41. And yeah, I think the, the interesting part of this uh, this new era of Survivor as a long in the tooth fan by this point has been seeing this whole new generation of fans and these differing segments of the fan base experiencing and cycling through this like everyone who won deserved to win and then rapidly reconfiguring to oh actually this person was robbed and you know there was nothing they could have done the jury was better and, and so on and so forth like that that is just we've all been there we've all done that and you know welcome to the fold you know it's nice to have you um but in in terms of the the, the sexism accusation with all the usual caveats like yes james is a man but he was the vote for Cass and her closest friend and ally out there he said that he didn't think that it played a factor and then the three women on the jury voted for gabler which again not it doesn't dismiss it outright but it's also like especially noel and carla were very vocal about wanting to see a woman win and to be conscious of the biases that as women themselves they would face in the game and to uh, help others overcome that and i actually thought noel uh Owen was shocked that Noelle didn't vote for him. As a viewer, I was shocked that Noelle didn't vote for Cass because she would seem to be very enthusiastically nodding along when Cass was talking about, you know, uh, fighting hard in the game as a woman and then also crushing those challenges. I thought, okay, well, Noelle seems receptive to that. And then she just turns around and votes for Gabler. So that shows you what I know. But they they all voted for, uh, for Gabler. And so, I don't know, it, it feels like maybe there's some kernel of truth to it, but you end up in this spot of accusing the women on the jury of being like handmaidens of the patriarchy or whatever for not uh going with the outcome that you decided on day one as a viewer was predetermined the whole time and you know nothing can stand in her way um you know i I think we've both been vocal about when we thought that has been a factor in the past i don't really see it here at all but yeah i i again don't think that it was like and if it was even a slight factor i don't think it was an overwhelming one i think it largely just came down to their version of events was not consistent with what Cassidy was trying to sell them on at final tribal council. And as I said earlier, like even if everything she says is like unfalsifiably true, it, it that, that factor is more or less irrelevant if the jury doesn't believe it themselves. Uh, whereas Gabler, I think what you see was what you get with Gabler. And that is something the jury responded well to. And the question I mean, isn't, sorry to cut you off, but isn't it almost the opposite? Isn't the whole point of Gabler that he was hiding in plain sight? What you thought, he was this court jester, but in actuality, he was this this mastermind the whole time. I, I see what you're saying, but I think uh, in terms of like his version of the game was consistent with their version of like how the game played out, whereas Cassidy's was not, is what I mean by that. Yeah, I think that, so the, the like, Maybe the simple but accurate reading of the season is Gabler, despite the the rough start that he got off to and despite being called an idiot and so on, the the tone that these people talk about him who voted for him, it's like, yeah, Gabler was this really calming and joyful presence out there who like he was your rock in your time of need and so on. Like maybe this is almost a victory for the classic social game argument of Survivor where Cass was not especially liked or disliked and didn't have what wasn't seen as having achievements in the game that would like overpower everything else. 
And so it came down to who they liked more, and they just liked Abler more, so they voted for him. Yeah, uh, and you know this wouldn't be the first time that that was essentially what it came down to there. Uh, Dom, I think let's start now, uh, just kind of hitting some of the other things that played out in the finale or other things to kind of tie up some loose ends on from the season in general. We haven't talked a ton about Jesse to this point, and I'm curious what you think about there potentially being or not being a lasting impact of the kind of super cutthroat, but nice guy and clearly it was all in the game kind of mentality that Jesse brought to this season now that it has not gone his way. Because I think if he won, we would certainly see that starting to ramp up in the future. What do you think happens now that it did not ultimately work out for him? Not at all because of the game itself, but because he couldn't make a fire. Which I guess now is part of the game itself, but so fine. Go, go, going going back to that big move that really put put Jesse on the map where the jury was concerned, which is turning on Cody, voting out Cody. We debated last week: was that actually the right move? Knowing that uh, you you now have promoted yourself to the biggest threat, and everyone knows that, and you now need to win your way to the end at four, and you have two chances to do it. But uh, are those the odds you want? And did you need to do it, given that Cody would have taken you to the end? And I wasn't sure if Cody actually would have beat Jesse. It seems like now, having watched uh, and seen everything that's come out, I think Cody would have beat Jesse, as, as mind-boggling as that is to wrap my head around still. Uh, like, they, they really picked up what Cody was putting down. And so at that point, Jesse faces this classic choice of, do you take this secure route to the end with a person who would almost certainly beat you, or do you free yourself from those shackles Give yourself an actual out to win, but with the understanding that you might be unlikely to actually realize that. And he he's there to win. He's playing to win. And so he chose that option. And I love that for him. Um, but it seemed like once we got to four, this is maybe the outcome we should have expected because he was hopelessly behind in that final four challenge. The, the final immunity wasn't coming close to winning that. And then by the time we got around to fire, it seemed like they had nothing to worry about no matter who they put in against him. He was really struggling out there um so maybe jesse was in this like sari-esque position maybe where like yeah he needs all he needs to do is get to the end but all he needs to do is get to the end is is much harder uh much easier said than done excuse me yeah uh jesse i i'm i'm really not trying to kill jesse for this at all but seeing and and also eager to acknowledge that gabler seemed to be outstanding at fire like set the all-time record as you talked about dom for quickest one to snap the rope in a fire challenge i it continues to just blow me away and i know i talk about this it feels like probably every single season and i'm sorry but i'm gonna do it again i do not understand how anyone in the modern era who is not like a recruit which it seems like is becoming more and more rare over time can find out that they're being cast on Survivor and not put in substantial work before the before they fly out on getting good at fire and you laugh at me every time and then we roll back in the next season and someone isn't really proficient in fire and it costs them a million dollars. And the uh, example that has just always stuck with me, and I hate to constantly use it because I was a huge fan of Lauren Beck on Island of the Idols, and I really would have loved to see her pull that one off. Uh, and I and I will acknowledge that Jesse 
seemed more, at least more comfortable in fire than Lauren was. Uh, but I thought Lauren played like a stellar game the whole way through. And then we get to the final four. She doesn't win immunity. She knows she's about to go in and have to make a fire. And the reaction is essentially like crying and complaining about it. And because on the grounds of this is so stupid, this is so unfair, it's insane that Correct. the game comes down to this, and that is yep. completely—it absolutely <laughs> is. You will—you will be hard pressed to find anyone uh, who agrees more firmly with that than I do. But at the same time, you knew, you knew that this was going to come up at Final Four, and being good at fire versus being bad at fire could very, very realistically be the difference between a million dollars, multiple shots at being on the show, like an internet stan army and so forth. If that's something you'd be into, I like, I, I will, I, I don't know how to put this other than I remain unimpressed, not with Jesse specifically, but with just given how many super fans are out there with the lack, I, the, the lack of fire prep that I am hearing about in post-game interviews and so forth. It is mandatory, as far as I am concerned, to hammer the fire practice long before you ever fly out. We know, we know. And you're not wrong, but I just don't... I, I feel like the the practice does not convert into, oh, well, now I, I'm, I'm a wizard making fire the way that you think it does, as cleanly as that. But in any case, um, yeah, I think Jesse... I I was rooting for him, I guess. I don't think I was as high on him as a lot of people, and I was expecting him to win. But I, I like this loss more in the sense that we saw this kind of dramatic flame out in the finale, and we saw him really care about it. He was really torn up, and visibly so, and like that really came across. Um, and maybe spilled over into this weird attitude of, well, the fact that, like, I said myself that my last ditch attempt is to get Cass to put herself in against me because uh, she's the worst at making fire. And then when she doesn't do that, I'm like holding it against her almost. It's almost like he talked himself into his idea so well because he's so convincing that he like bamboozled himself into <laughs> this weird uh, contradiction. But um, no, I mean, for the most part, I thought this, that the downfall of Jesse in this finale was easily the most compelling part of it. And, you know, regardless of, uh, you know, Cass's great performance in winning the challenge and Gabler sitting it out at the last minute. I feel like it was the fall of Jesse. Like, this is why Jesse lost in one sense, and then everything else just kind of spills out from that. Yeah, I was wondering if Jesse losing in fire is like squarely the outcome that is going to be like the least impactful, where. He's obviously a massive presence throughout his entire run in the game. I think if he gets, like, voted out in a conventional way very near the end but not quite at Final Tribal Council, he perhaps becomes, like, a cautionary tale of, like, peaking too early or, you know, not doing the best job at, like, threat level mitigation. If he goes to the finals and wins, obviously, he, like, cements himself in Survivor history. If he goes to the finals and loses, I think that's a really scintillating conversation for a number of different reasons. But when it's exactly losing at fire after making it as far as he could and being the 
pretty clear, as far as I can tell, jury favorite in any conceivable timeline where he does make it to the end. That seems like almost the most underwhelming way this story can end for him. I, I do think as well that when we talk about the finalists and why they won or lost, and then also the other jury members too, worth keeping in mind just the the looming threat of, you know, Jesse would have won easily if he made it to the end. Cody wins in a clean sweep, probably. Uh, I don't know how Carla or Sammy were perceived at the point where they left the game, but it seems like they each of them could conceivably have been a threat in their own right. And then Noelle was being hyped up as, well, we got to get her out of here because none of us can beat her in the end. And so it seemed like the the finalists that we actually got, like maybe Owen was the ultimate goat on this season, as it turns out, and maybe... Gabler and Cass were just the, the next two in line. And it has happened before that the the third least pop or the third least unpopular person in the cast uh, past a certain point has ended up winning the season because they find the exact right combination of people to sit there with. And maybe this is one of those times. And so, yeah, I think if if Jesse wins that fire challenge and he's in the end with, with Cass and Owen, no one would be casting around for an explanation of why Cass lost beyond the, the true diehards it would be yeah okay of, of course jesse was going to take it down and similarly if uh jesse ends up in the end with gabler like if if someone else goes into fire instead uh if gabler sits up at tribal and does his oh i was hiding in plain sight i'm the alligator routine they'd be like okay that that's adorable we're still running for jesse regardless yeah. like we're not taking you seriously and so i think it's easy to construct a story in reverse based on the outcome that we had whereas so much of it is conditional on just these were the three people who were left. And honestly, as uninspiring as it sounds, maybe that's a tagline for this final three is, these are the three people who are left. You have to cast your vote for one of them. Good luck. And uh, as much as within that final three, I would have preferred Cass or Gabler or Cass or Owen winning, that this is uh, the world we live in. I mean, I am a staunch defender of the idea that Survivor, like at its core, is a game about threat level mitigation. And that's why I'm so hard on Boston Rob all the time. Uh, And I think you are probably at least spiritually right about how these, yeah, uh, about how these three were viewed by the people in the jury and how they would have been viewed had virtually any of those other jurors been up there against them. And so I, I like you, I'm not sure with any degree of certainty, like what kind of a jury threat Carla necessarily was or Sammy necessarily was. But I could see it being the case for sure that either of them would have like run away with the game if they had found themselves in the finals with any two of these three that ultimately made it there. And I think it is well within the realm of possibility that as much as uh, the mother army wanted to believe it, I think it is totally... Uh, in play that the game was over for Cassidy as soon as Ryan left, like at final eight or nine mm. or whatever that was. Like the, the, when he was gone, there was just no combination she could beat. Here's a, a, a parallel for you then with that in mind. Do you think that Cassidy in spiritual terms, perhaps, or maybe not so spiritual terms, was the young lad of this season? I think that is a very compelling point, Dominic, that I had not considered myself, but I think that actually could be among the finest parallels one could draw up and i'm sure that the cast stands out there love hearing us talk about 
uh, Cassidy is just like Spencer and Gabler is just like Sandra. And I'm guessing we're not making a ton of new friends over the course of uh, delivering these takes, but I definitely see what you're saying there. Yeah, I I don't know if there's some like closed loop in there where eventually six people down the chain this sixth person now loops around to oh now they are like gabler or something and it's a nice little (laughs) a nice clean circle yeah uh okay so let's get into uh, a couple other things here along the way i wanted to just quickly give our biannual announcement that the final five relocation thing in this new era continues to at the very least annoy me as does the advantage that comes uh, around that time where they do the word scramble for uh, a leg up in the final immunity challenge. I really don't get what this is for other than like padding out time in the finale. Is there anyone who is like really into this sort of thing? Well, they, they did a word scramble as a preamble to another slightly different word scramble. It seemed like it's so strange to have a, a Jeff free, challenge as in no jeff not jeffrey like his full name sorry uh where they're just by themselves on the beach and they just have to like go honor system on you can't get up and start looking until you've completed this word unscrambling thing that with all due respect uh because i know some people have not completed it by the time the challenge was over but like doesn't seem like the most difficult thing in the world and i think largely just comes down to how quickly this sort of challenge ends in general where this time around we i mean it's we watch people do a newspaper jumble for a couple of minutes and then two of them run through the trees on along the beach uh, for 90 seconds or whatever after that uh, and then the advantage makes either no difference or way too big of a difference potentially uh in certain cases where i i it just feels so counter to what is interesting about this show for me but i get that uh, you know they have a formula that they feel comfortable with and i think this unfortunately just kind of fits neatly within that and so i would expect it to stick around Maybe this is the real explanation for uh, why we have only 26 days now, is they just uh, simply out of ideas for how to extend the show any longer. It's just, you know, we have the same basic formula, and if anything goes wrong, and we have to improvise on the fly, I, I don't know what we're going to do. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure, but I'm uh, guessing that I will be back in here as we're wrapping up Survivor 44, saying more or less the same thing, so look forward to that. Uh, Dom, the shot in the dark, once again, plays no tangible role within the season although i'm very receptive to the arguments that because people aren't using it it means it's creating more blindsides and i think there are plenty of benefits to the shot in the dark but what do you make now of the current state of the shot in the dark i'm just bored of it i think it's it's hyped up so much for what has been an entirely uh a damp squib of a twist thus far and i would much rather just be shot of it, uh, for, for lack of a better phrase, just because not only, I mean, it's not offensive in its own right. It doesn't take up too much time. It barely even comes up over the course of the average season. But just on principle, I would want to reject it on the grounds that it's not adding anything. It's only a complication. When it comes up, it's yet another weird twist of the rules that needs to be explained and that takes something away from the core premise of the show. Just get rid of it. What, why is it there? I would go the opposite direction. So I think... The Shot in the Dark does 
add a dynamic to the game that just doesn't come through on TV very often unless it's actually being played that night. But I do think it does incentivize some cool things within the game in terms of keeping blindsides more secret and so forth. Uh, and people having to worry about someone potentially playing their shot in the dark and hitting it and adding that kind of layer to the strategic side of things. And on top of all of that, from a TV perspective, you at least, in the case of like a super boring dry vote, can present the story of, is this person going to hit use and potentially hit their shot in the dark? I, I, I continue to think good things are coming in the grand scheme of things from the shot in the dark. I will return to something that we talked about at least last season, if not on Survivor 41 as well. I continue to be surprised that they keep the odds at one in six. I know Rob Sesternino mm. uh, has been an advocate for like when the shot in the dark gets played and doesn't get hit, then the odds should get better from that point forward. So when one person uses it, it goes down to one in five. And then if someone else uses it, it goes down to one in four. So it becomes more and more appealing over time. I think given the lack of frequency with which we've seen the shots even being taken, I, I frankly don't think that uh, would make too much of a difference. I am now swinging from my former position of, I'm surprised they aren't making the odds better just straight off the bat. I would encourage them to make the odds better. I would be totally down with it if it was a one in four shot. I think at this point, I'd be totally down with it if it was a one in three shot. And I'm frankly surprised they haven't already made it like a coin flip, like the Michelle Fitzgerald thing. Yeah, I, just just give give everyone in the game a 50-50 coin right. on day one and then see whether it's I, I, yeah. So the 50-50 thing is obviously as extreme as you can make it. But I think it would be totally fine with me at this point if they had a everyone in the game has one free pass for a one in three shot or a one in four shot. I, I do think the odds being significantly better would at least not hurt in terms of making it a more exciting kind of TV element for the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of coming around to your position in the sense of I don't think it should exist, but if it does, let's ramp right. up the odds and actually make it a relevant part of the equation. I, right, exactly. I, I think I'm more open to it existing in the first place than most people are, but that is the thing for me, is given that it does exist, let's at least give it more of a chance to be meaningful in a cool way. Uh, and I say that just up until the point where it ends up backfiring on one of my faves, at which point I'm hard out on uh, the shot in the dark there. So, uh, Dom, one other thing that I've heard some discussion about uh, in light of the Owen and Cassidy exit interviews is the current state of the after show, where they do like a reunion, kind of in air quotes, uh, just after... The final votes have been read. Obviously, we've done it each time in the new era using this format. Both Owen and Cassidy talked about that being like a very unpleasant experience for them, and understandably so. I know that doing it in person at this point, like the way they did for the first 39 seasons, may be a tall order, and the theories of 
maybe give the contestants a couple of days between the game ending and going back and meeting up and doing that reunion show. There may be some like logistical elements that make that unrealistic, but where are you currently on how these reunions have been going? Yeah, I I know that uh, both Cass and Owen, I mean, Owen just said outright, fuck the reunion show in its current form. And Cass said that after that shock of, uh, experiencing that sudden loss and then having to put a brave face on things and immediately just be frozen there for the uh reunion that she had this this panic attack afterwards and she felt it was almost inhumane that you know after you you suffer this incredibly demoralizing loss for a life-changing amount of money on top of everything else and you now have to sit there and smile as they uh go through this inane chatter of asking about Janine's idol from God knows when and all, all this other stuff when all you want to do is just like go and cry and eat and shower and sleep and just pretend the world doesn't exist for a day or two and that that's your right and that's okay and instead you just have to you know there, there's one more task at the end I, um, if, if I'm being fully honest at no point on any of 41 42 or 43 have I ever really been paying close attention to what's going on at the reunion I'm usually looking on Twitter to find out what hilarious takes people are firing off. Uh, the reunion has, even in its original form, rarely been something that was super captivating for me. So I don't even have that strong of a take on it, but I certainly would not be opposed to kind of uh, a radical shift, if not getting away from this sort of thing entirely. Although my fear is if they then had more time to pad out in the finale, that it would just be met with more, ridiculous kind of like final five advantage-esque sorts of things yeah i don't know if i want them to actively chop down the finale like just just make it another 60 minute episode what could go wrong but it feels like at this point they don't know what to do with the time that they have and that bleeds into both the in-game structure of the final five final four rounds and then also all of this hullabaloo uh afterwards and i i think i like the idea of having the the after show of some kind out there on location but do it the next day just before they're due to fly home or something and yeah okay you have to pay the cameraman and, and so on for another day of work just just get over it just do that you know yeah. I, I think everyone would be much happier for that yeah uh well one other thing dom actually that uh we would be remiss not to get into a little more is gabler giving away the entire prize money uh, amount uh, he's giving the entire million to some uh veteran cause that uh the specifics of which i do not know but curious what you thought about that and the potential impact it could have on just the future of survivor if this becomes something that they're either casting more people uh who would be open to doing this sort of thing or in a position to do this sort of thing uh or potential like just metagame implications of people being nervous that they're going to get to final travel council against someone who's saying hey i'm going to give the whole prize away if you vote for me what what's your take on the giving away the entire million and the effect that that might have on the franchise so i was preparing myself for what when gabler said this initially uh that he was going to say that at final tribal and that that itself might move some votes in his direction and by some i mean like one or two and those would be his only votes and it would be a a minor afterthought in the ensuing discourse uh, afterwards um but if you get into a position where someone can credibly 
say that at Final Tribal and people believe it and they vote on on the basis of that, that now is like a, a complete sea change in how the entire game operates, right? Where like the whole metagame around just people who have money suddenly is totally different. Where if these uh these athletes in particular are going to keep creeping their way uh, onto the show. Well, that's something which is the, the threat of them saying that is going to be hanging over every interaction and it almost elevates them to jury threat status by default. Because even if you don't like them, even if you have no respect for the game that they played, well, now the they represent this option of, you know, D, none of the above, let's give it all to charity instead. And there are lots of final threes, but I think that you know, people would slam <laughs> that button as fast as they could. Right, yeah, and to be fair, to be fair, I think very rarely is it the case that even the former athletes uh, could have, are in a position where they could comfortably give away the entire million dollars. Like Jeff Kent, sure, Jimmy Johnson, obviously, uh, but I think the vast majority would want the money for themselves there. I have always had uh, a bit of an issue when when this topic has come up over the years, which it has several times long before Gabler in just various conversations we've had because, Dom, you will remember, uh, during Survivor Philippines, so over a decade ago at this point, we were fortunate enough to have on the podcast Daniel Negranu, who I'm guessing plenty of people out there know that name. For those who don't, Daniel is one of the most famous and successful poker players in the history of the world uh, and is filthy, filthy, filthy rich. And he was actually like offered a spot to go be on Survivor China, but he had to decline it. And that's why Jean-Robert Balland was on that season because they wanted a poker player and Daniel couldn't do it. And when we talked to Daniel, we talked about like the prospect of him potentially playing down the line in the future. And let me be clear right away here. He did not say anything to suggest that this is specifically what he had in mind. But he said, if I were to go play Survivor, I would first of all love to do it under the right circumstances. And secondly, if I get to final tribal council, I am going to be the winner. All I need to do is get there. And I have a plan that I will not reveal that I will guarantee that I will get the majority of the jury votes. And again, he did not give any details about what that plan is, but I am and have been for a decade deeply, deeply nervous about the prospect of someone mega rich going out there who really cares so much more about winning and just the title itself and doesn't care at all about the money that if I had to guess, I would imagine Daniel's plan is essentially in one form or another to buy the jury to say not only will I donate the entire million dollars for every person who votes for me I'll donate a million to some charity of your choice and what do you what would you rather see happen some stranger you've known for a month or so get half a million after taxes or have five six million go to charities and noble causes and everybody's happy for whatever reason, that really, really does not sit well with me. And again, Daniel, it is very possible that I'm just making all of this up. But the thought crossed my mind and for the last decade has been a deep, deep concern of mine. Is someone winning a game of Survivor 
largely because they were in a position to just give away all of the money and those around them were not. And when we have this conversation, Dom, at least historically, I feel like you tend to disagree with me about that and find it like, oh, it's actually an interesting element. And hey, what should rich people not be allowed on the show or you're not allowed to tell the jury or you're not allowed to donate any of the money? Like, let me be very clear. I'm all about donating to charity and I'm all about really wanting contestants who are desperate to win Survivor at theoretically all costs there. Uh, But now having seen Gabler win and give the whole prize away, I am a bit nervous that this is going to become kind of a meta thing. And I was so, so, so happy that he did not mention it uh, as he was trying to swing people to vote for him and only brought it up uh, after the fact. That being said, if someone wants to go in front of the jury and lie about giving away the entire million to get them to vote for them, I would be 100% down for that. Yeah, and it feels like once that uh, that promise is made and they get the money on that basis, whether or not they actually do it, I mean, both, those are both very strange forks in the road to go down that lead you to some weird uh, places. I, so now that this is out there, again, I feel compelled to say I have no issue whatsoever with people donating however much they want to charity. But, but now, now that this is an established kind of like thing that happens on Survivor... As with any other element in Survivor, I have no problem with people lying about it either. Like, if you if you make it clear, I'm only saying this to get them to vote for me because I want to win, and then they do, and you don't give the amount that you said to charity, that is essentially fine with me. I think that it is now becoming part of the game. Mm-hmm. But However, I recognize that might sound kind of conflicting with what I said before about like rich people being in a position to donate. I like to me, anyone can go and lie and say that they're going to give a bunch of money to charity if they win. But very, very, very few can credibly claim and actually do it to give away the whole prize. And I, I would hate to live in a world where someone just entering the game really rich ends up determining a season. I think that is not at all what survivor uh, as a game is about or even close to it. So anyway, I uh, had to get out that one back out there because it's been, I don't know, a couple of years since we've had that discussion. Uh, Dom, let's do this. Uh, Survivor 43 cast, I would say another home run cast, as have been all of the casts in the modern era here. Let's do a quick little returnee draft, Dom. Let's each pick three names. I'll let you go first, uh, and we will pick three people each to return on a future season of Survivor. Not necessarily who you want personally, but who you think will return on a future oh. season of Survivor. Well, that, that might change my mind then. Uh, I mean, coming out of the season, right, Jesse is the big story, but I feel like he might be more replaceable in a lot of ways. So I think actually give me Carla as my uh, kind of most likely uh, returning player. Carla was going to be my first pick, assuming you picked Jesse. But now that you didn't pick Jesse, I'll take the free money and I'll take Jesse. Yeah. And so then do I go towards Cody as, you know, do they want both halves of that duo? Do they like that double act? Uh, Is Cody in his own right? I mean, he's, he's so strange, frankly, that maybe that is just a good case in its own right. Uh, and then, 
Actually, you know what? Uh, kind of the same logic as before. Give me Noel. Okay. Uh, I was going to pick... Noel was in the mix to be my next pick if you didn't pick Cody, but I'm going to once again take the free money and pick Cody, who I think would be a really interesting person to have back with or without Jesse to see how he kind of responds to the way his game ended the first time. Mm -hmm. And then to finish it out, don't do it. I will be I will be so mad at you if you do it to me right here. If I I do what to you? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Carry on, Dom. (sighs) I really hope I'm nailing it here. Give me Ellie. Obviously, my... you're nailing it. Of course you are. And I should, as soon as I said, don't do it, I realized he wasn't going to do it until I told him not to do it. And now he's definitely going to do it. Uh, now that he knows that there's something to do. Yes, Ellie was going to be my like sneaky final pick. But uh, yeah, I, I would love to see Ellie back on Survivor and think she would deliver all over again. Uh, so for my last pick, Dom... Uh, I think, you know what, I'll take the free money once again. I think Owen would be interesting to see back. Maybe that's my own just liking the guy and finding his story interesting, and maybe uh, the producers would not be on necessarily the same page there. Uh, But I think Owen would be a good person to get out there for another shot as well. Uh, So, Dom, there we go. Give me your just overall... Thoughts on Survivor 43 just in the grand scheme of the franchise? So, as of right now, uh, a week removed from the finale, I am higher on it than I expected to be a, a few weeks ago, even with uh, the weird twists and turns towards the end, and one of the players I kind of took least seriously taking the whole thing down. I found it very hard to engage with at points. Like, I think uh, the, the Dwight vote was, like, the, the low point in that regard. Uh, for me and there were a lot of times where I just kind of zoned out and where you would ask me hey do you want to you can't come in here and talk about 43 and I just felt like I don't have anything to say I mean I'll, I'll come in here and talk if you want me to but I I don't know how much help I can be um, and then the the few weeks after that really gave us a lot to talk about I think that the, the quality ramped up and it, it hit its stride and then whatever the hell this finale was is going to be the lasting takeaway and so I don't know what I'm going to think about it in a month or a year or however many years from now as of right now uh i'm like moving it up my informal rankings a little bit but uh still not a super memorable season to me i think in the grand scheme of things both this backlash over the result and the result itself and the season will mostly kind of fade from view how much does that change if we instead uh last wednesday had shown up and seen jesse make the fire and go on to win close to unanimously I think I, Jesse certainly would be more long-lasting, but I I don't know. I, I kind of felt like we had seen what there was to see of Jesse, and by the time we got to the end, the die was cast. The only question is, is Jesse going to bink one of the, the two challenges he needs? Uh, so I, I didn't think there was any more story left to be told there, really. And like I said, I think it was more interesting, if not uh, more satisfying, that he lost in the grand scheme of things. Sorry, yeah, I I was going to say 43, I think, is going to be a season that I very much enjoy rewatching somewhere between like five and ten years from now. I I used to rewatch Survivor seasons 
all the time back in the wild wild west era of youtube back in the heyday of online poker where i could fire up a bunch of tables and then put a survivor or big brother or amazing race season on the second monitor uh and just kind of go about my day i uh, i in recent years have i think almost literally never gone back and rewatched any season after it finished airing since i want to say Cambodia or thereabouts. I, I may have rewatched Ko Rong uh, somewhere along the way, and I rewatched the beginning of Game Changers just out of spite to uh, once again prove all over that Sarah Lucina is just not in those early episodes, which she's not. Uh, so I think there is going to come a time, I, I expect this to still be many years from now, where for one reason or another, I am compelled to rewatch not just 43, but probably like 37 through X, where X continues on into the new era. And I very much look forward to that day. I don't think I'm at that point just yet. Uh, but long and the short of it is, in the moment, I wouldn't be like dying to go back and rewatch this season anytime soon. But I do think once some time has been allowed to pass uh once i can forget even more than i already have whenever the day comes where i do rewatch this i do see myself enjoying that uh and i enjoyed the season certainly well enough along the way there i agree with you that there were some points where it i, I would not say it dragged by any means but there was kind of a lull in the action there uh but overall home run cast I, I really can't say it enough and uh continue to be a huge fan of just the casting in general in the new era here a lot of really exciting votes that i think will still be uh exciting even knowing the result uh to rewatch this somewhere down the line and a finale that of course is going to hit differently when you already know the result, but I think will still be one that stands out uh, when I'm blasting through my season after season rewatch whenever the the day arrives. So overall, I think 43. You know, it's hard to grade it on a scale of like one to ten or place it specifically anywhere in the like one through 43 rankings of Survivor seasons, but I am very willing to call this at least a solid season of survivor that i think will age better uh when more again more time has passed people know what to expect out of the finale i think this one will be pretty fun for not just me but for a lot of us uh to binge down the line so uh, i I guess it's just, for me, it's just an, one more season of Survivor, and I think it falls prey, and maybe epitomizes the the issues with this new era as a whole, where, like, we, we have numbers rather than names or themes. We have the same basic structure for every season. We have the same twist. We have a lot of the same, like, rhythm and cadence. It just feels like I can imagine once we are a few years removed, if the seasons continue with this formula, so many of them are just going to like blend together in my head. And it's going to be, wait, which season was that person on again? Like stuff like that. Even though normally I have a, a very good memory for that sort of thing. Oh, I'm already in the, which season was that person on territory for sure. And I too, uh, generally, uh, had a very good memory 
for that sort of thing for the first full 20 years of the franchise existing. But I mean, if this goes on to be kind of a middling, maybe even slightly below average season of Survivor in the new era, then I am very optimistic about what the new era will continue to provide for us. So uh, I I guess (laughs) I'm rooting for this to eventually become like one of the less compelling seasons of the modern times, because I think that will mean very good things for what the future has in store for us. Like give me 43 over virtually any of the seasons in like the late thirties, other than David versus Goliath for sure. And I think cases could be made for plenty of other seasons from survivor history and other just entire eras from survivor history on top of that. So actually let's get out of here with this Dom rank for me, the three seasons in the modern era. If you, if you are in a position to differentiate them uh, adequately enough. Hmm. Huh. I think it might be 42, then 41, then 43 for me, but I I guess I don't feel invested enough to argue about that at this point. Okay, fair enough. Uh, I, I think I actually kind of have a different answer for watching them in real time versus how excited I am to watch them back again years down the line. So in real time, I think I would actually just go in order 41, 42, 43. Like 41, I think, benefited a lot from the long break between seasons and having such a great cast compared to what we were used to uh, a lot of at the time new things going forth that we hadn't seen before. And yeah, of course you have the hourglass and do or die and other things working against it. Uh, But I think 41 was the most fun I've had in the new era, like the most excited I've been for survivor episodes to be airing. But I think, like, on a rewatch, it might be the bottom of the list between the the three new era seasons for me, uh, where I think 42 is going to be the one that I find ages the best, and then I would probably say 43, and then 41. Uh, Actually, one other thing that I felt like 41 had going for it in the moment that will not necessarily be in play on a rewatch is it was so refreshing to get so much false hope about Shan and Evie and Ricard and so forth based on what we thought the edit was doing when it very much seems like they've also smashed the hourglass on Edgic as well. Uh, And having all of that kind of reveal itself in real time, I thought was very cool about 41 that will obviously not be there on a rewatch. Let me ask you about the, the state of the game as it stands right now then, because we've had, three seasons back to back to back where the winner storyline has been i was pretty low-key early people didn't take me that seriously and then i had this this one big move in the case of uh suddenly marianne and then arguably erica and then not really at all with gabler but we'll throw him in there anyway um i I kind of emerged from the shadows pretty late and then stole it out from underneath the power the the big power players who you know came on too strong too soon and, and got dethroned is that just the the way the game works? It, has this mostly been how the game should work and we're only now like seeing it refined to the point where that's going to happen? Or uh, do we almost need for some kind of like dominant top-down winner to emerge in the next few seasons just as a reminder or an indication that that is still theoretically possible? 
so as far as how the game should work, again, I think Survivor is at its core a game about threat level mitigation. So when you're putting out super fans who are very knowledgeable about how this tends to play out, I think you could make a case that Survivor should work in such a way where the people who make it to the ends to the end are the ones who did not stick their neck out too far too early. Uh, a pretty decent chunk of the time there, and I would expect that things along those lines will continue to happen at least every so often, if not fairly routinely. But I also think it would be a bit of a shame in the opposite direction if that was, like, the only story we ever ended up seeing again. So, like, my whole issue with the way the show was edited for so long is it a lot of the time very quickly narrowed down to one two maybe three or four if you're super lucky like viable winner candidates after the first three weeks like you can write off double digit people after the first few weeks for a, a very 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 long stretch of survivors run and what i want and i think the door is open for this and we've just been on kind of a coincidental run of winners who were lower key in the early days. What I want is it's certainly possible to win if you're lower key and not getting a ton of airtime. It's also certainly possible to win as one of the main characters who's super active. And if you want to take a big risk and not really do much in terms of mitigating your threat level and just be the person trying to dominate from pillar to post that could conceivably work for you as well. What I want is any of it could happen. Any of the people on the screen could conceivably win. And I feel like Gabler at the end of the day, that is what I am going to remember not only him for, but potentially survivor 43 in general is, is Dom. I mean, if you thought I was ambivalent and wishy washy about Oh, well, I could see this person coming in any given place mm-hmm. in our pre-finale thing. Oh, boy, are you in for a treat on Survivor 44. I think the Dunchain has now somehow ironically been Dunchained itself. I don't think I can ever give out a Dunchain ever again uh, after seeing Gabler come through with the win here. And for that, I am eternally grateful and I am optimistic that however many more seasons we get, if it is a decent enough number, we will get various different types of winners in different types of molds. But you may be onto something, frankly, that it could be good for the franchise to have someone put on kind of like a pillar to post dominant performance sometime soon, just to reaffirm that that sort of thing is still in play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Uh, Dom, anything else on Survivor 43 that you want to get out there? Uh No, I I think I'm all out. I believe I am as well. Thank you, everyone who made it this far. Uh, He is, of course, on Twitter, at DomHRV. I am on Twitter, at Colin Stone. Uh, Bonus episodes over on the patron feed at patreon.com slash Dom and Colin. Just about to wrap up on Micronesia. A lot of fun rewatching all of that. And then we'll be off to some other kind of classic reality rewatch. But for anyone who has been missing that to this point, tons and tons of seasons up there uh, over on Patreon. Uh, Again, patreon.com slash Dom and Colin. We got Heroes vs. Villains, uh, Gabon, Fiji, China, 
Guatemala, a bunch, a few Big Brother seasons, both original seasons of The Mole, uh, a lot of extra stuff over there. So check that out if you are dying for more of this for whatever reason uh, during this off season. But for today, I believe that is going to do it for us. Thank you once again uh, for sticking with us this long. We will talk to you guys soon. Take care, everybody.